I'm Rihanna Dillon. This is Guru Live 2016. Monument Valley was that rare thing, a mobile game that was a critical and commercial success. In the discussion you're about to hear, the BAFTA-winning development team behind the puzzle game talk about their journey in conversation with Jordan Eric Weber. Here's Jordan. This is called Turning Points. Those of you who've played Monument Valley will realise that that's a very clever name because Monument Valley is a game about turning that has no uh-huh. point. <laughs> We've been saying amongst ourselves, if anyone hasn't played Monument Valley, you could buy it now and finish it in the time it takes us to get through this. <laughs> twice. <laughs> you could finish it twice. We've, uh, we've had speedruns. Um, it's being audio recorded. This is more for you guys, so make sure you don't say anything incriminating. But it's not being filmed, so if you want to pick your nose, that's yep. completely fine. Um, I'll just read out the description for the session because it's not up there. Apparently, we're supposed to talk about lessons learned on these guys' journey to creative and commercial success. If you want to talk about the session while it's happening, you can tweet at BaftaGuru. That's Atlas. Everyone say hi. <laughs> hi, Atlas. <laughs> uh, also an us too uh, person. And uh, there's a hashtag as well, of course, uh, which is Guru Live. And there's also a podcast. So when the audio for this has been recorded, it'll be on the podcast. And you'll be able to listen to the session that you're currently missing, which obviously isn't quite as good as this one, but you may want to listen to both of them anyway. So these guys are all from Us Two Games, who are known primarily, I think, for making Monument Valley, um, which last year was nominated for five BAFTAs and won two of them. So that's 40%. It's a pretty good win rate. You were nominated for, but didn't unfortunately win Best Game, Original Property and Artistic Achievement, but you did win Best British Game and Mobile and Handheld. And one of you was telling me earlier that that's the first time that a mobile game has been, mm. has won. Uh, nominated. It was nominated for Best Game, yes, sorry. Um, I'll get you to introduce yourselves, just to make sure um, you all explain how to pronounce your names and things so that I don't get it wrong. Uh, do you want cool. to go first? Cool. So yeah, I'm Jonathan Top. Uh, I am a senior artist. Uh, our, kind of, our roles in, are kind of very broad and we do a lot of different things, but that's kind of what I'm named as up there. Um, at Us Two Games, I've been there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. What did you do on Monument Valley? So I came uh, toward the end of it. A tree. You did a tree. I did a tree. You made one tree. So I I joined right at the end. Uh, I made a tree. In fact, I made about eight trees because we had to kind of make uh, eight versions of it that we, when you span it round, they would change. Um, And uh, and then afterwards worked on Land's End um, and uh, on our upcoming project as well. Did you work on um, the expansion for Monument Valley as well? Um, I worked a tiny bit on it, but it wasn't. That was what the tree was for. Oh, that was what the tree was for. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Okay, and Mike? Uh, my name is Mike Lanson. Apparently, I'm a junior producer. Uh, <laughs> according to my contract, it actually says I'm the lead quality assurance analyst, which is a nice way of saying tester. Uh, but my day to day job does generally become producer, community manager, customer support, programmer. Basically, whatever's. You yeah, do all sorts of done. stuff. You were saying yeah. to me that you've actually been helping look for people to hire. And yeah, I've been like doing a bunch of recruitment. We're currently hiring. Yeah, so apply through the website, not via email. Yeah, <laughs> definitely don't come up to us afterwards and ask them for a job. <clears throat> yeah, we're only ten people, so we end up doing a lot of different things. Yeah, each, so yeah. Anyway. Okay, cool. And David. Um, so I, my title is as well senior artist. I do about everything other than programming. Uh, a bit of rubbish, really rubbish programming. But, uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I joined us to right after Monument Valley was greenlit when the first prototypes were done, and I joined for the 
like as an artist, and then I was also level designer on Forgotten Shores and either stream. Okay, cool. Um, so I think uh, for the benefit of the people in the audience, we want to go through kind of the path that you took to get to making such a successful game and working at such a successful studio. Um, to start with, education. Which ones of you uh, did a game-specific degree? Just you, Mike. <laughs> yeah. What do you Spain. think the benefits and disadvantages of a game-specific degree are? I know some people um, in the audience might be doing one, so... So the one I did was, it was actually the first year it had ever been done, so they kind of had no idea what they were doing. Um, I was a teacher of one of those. I, wasn't, I wish you were one of my teachers. Um, it, it was quite useful in giving you like a, a broad spectrum of skills. It made you a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. So after graduation, I was a little underqualified to do anything in games, but I knew a bit about how everything worked. So it seemed that something like QA would be quite useful to go into. So like, luckily, right after graduation, got a job at Sega as a QA tester. And I think that helps, because I kind of roughly knew a bit more about art, coding, and design than my peers. Sure. So would you recommend it, a game-specific degree? Um, I actually would. There's actually a few good ones that have come out now. I'm actually quite old. I went to uni in 2000. Six, I believe. Oh, yeah. I think there's some good ones now. Really, really um, old. Abate Dundee has a really good one. There's a really, yeah. <laughs> so I know at least three programmers, like professional programmers, who work, who studied at Abate Dundee, and they've done really well for themselves. Okay, cool. But neither of you two did a game specific degree. Um, Jonathan, what did you? I did, um, so I had a long, kind of windy route to where I got to. Um, I was going to do film and then ended up doing animation, so I did an animation degree at Farnham and then a MA in animation at the National Film School, and then worked in animation for a few years, and then uh, got a call from these guys and took kind of a... I was doing animation, I was doing directing, I was doing visual effects and all sorts of weird things. Um, and it was kind of a demotion, in a way, to come on board as a 3D artist, but it seemed like it was a, too cool to, to miss, to kind of go, oh, VR project, oh, um, games, this is a game that I played and liked. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of it's not it's kind of pretty closely related to games because it's animation, but it's, it definitely wasn't at all geared towards that. It was geared towards kind of arts and. Did you feel like your animation. education made you overqualified to work on a, a little tiny mobile game? No, not at all. I um, I think the the best thing that go coming out of kind of doing a uh, BA and an MA was having gone through that whole process of spending five years learning anything. And then mm. by the end of it, I just knew a lot more about what I didn't, did and didn't want out of uh, education and out of kind of my career and things. And so that was kind of, in a way, the biggest thing that I got out of it. And then afterwards, it was just, it, it made me feel very um, quite zen about knowing that my career is going to change. Like, I might start an animation, I might end it, like, go to games, I might go back to engineering, which is what I did years ago and other things. And it's... Um, yeah, I think, I think education for me was all about just learning that things change. Do you think <laughs> it's you good do... to have something outside of games that you could fall back on if the oh. game's career goes wrong? Oh, not, not to fall back on, but certainly to influence what you do in games. Okay. I so mean, for people coming up who they... The thing for you was you, weren't, you didn't know you wanted to make games. No, A lot no of the people idea. here, they might know for sure that they want yeah. to make games. And younger people who are deciding what to study, would you still recommend they do something outside of games? I recommend that you just 
like whatever it is you're into at that moment, go towards that. And if you keep moving towards something, then you're going to end up in something that you like. Because I had it was totally like not a conscious decision. Mm. But I was always like, I want to be doing animation. I want to be doing this. And at one point, I was like, I want to be doing programming. I had no idea where that was going to lead me to. But then, you know, art, animation, programming, uh, you know, directing, all those kind of things end up being kind of a Venn diagram of a lot of things that games are about. So. Um, it ended up in a career which I'm really happy to be in, but there was never any planning. It was always just about going to the thing that was most exciting at the moment, which is a very um, lucky thing to have been able to do, um, but it kind of it worked out in the end. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And David, what did you study? So I studied fine arts in my hometown of Valencia in Spain, uh, which I didn't expect to do because mm, your parents usually don't want you to study art. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I did philosophy, so... <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, kind of... And because I was all the time in my computer, my, kind of my dad was like, no, you should study something computer-related. Yeah, I already know about computers. Um, so I eventually studied art, and then after that I did a master on 3D for games, mm. which was the first time that it was ever done. Yeah. And there was three of us students there, uh, and I was the only one with an art background, and that paid off. So you were top of your class? Yeah, top of three. all of three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started you were top three. three. Um, and then I realized, like, yeah, it was a really good idea to have done something that is not games. I didn't realize that I wanted to make games. I didn't realize that I had been making games for a long time until I was like, oh, wait a minute, what if is this is a job. Um, so I studied, uh, so I, I looked for what the options were for like something for games because I knew, I knew about making art but I didn't know about making art for games. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was pretty lucky that I got a job pretty soon after. I didn't finish the project. Was that in Spain? You got the job? Yeah. Never even finished the project in the master. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, did you get your masters in the end? Yeah, because I tricked them into, <laughs> into uh, I know, like, for them it was all right that in my first year after, after doing the thing, I had released a game. So the game kind of counted as, like, proof of you, I, you yeah. did well. I did a similar thing. I was constantly through my animation degrees handing in actual work as college yeah. work because it was just like... You always, you know, if you're speaking to people, you end up doing kind of free gigs here and there and whatever, and you just end up yeah. going well. And on in, in my case, because it was like my my boss there was like really he he had studied game design in Japan, so he was like super secretive and like you're not able to tell anyone about anything and all that. And so I told the people in my masters like, yeah, but you can't tell anyone because I get in big trouble. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got the degree and. They won't be able to like say to new students, "Hey, how new uh, students make games in their first year out of school?" Well, they can't, they, <laughs> what they can't tell them because you made them keep it a secret, yeah. right? Okay. So <laughs> yeah, you've not benefited from right. the, the other students of the course <laughs> at all. Is it still going the course? Uh, in some short <laughs> form. Okay. I think, yeah, got uh, yeah. My, my teacher back then and I don't, don't speak to each other anymore. Uh, <laughs> sounds like an interesting story yeah, that we maybe shouldn't share on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I can, I, but yeah, he doesn't speak English, so I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell us if you'd like to. You want to? 
Is it, is, it, is it relevant well, to people who want to go to games? Yes, I think okay, it is. Good. <laughs> I think it is. Um, you have to be careful what you say to who you say. Um, and in this case, I was a bit unhappy with my job. <laughs> and I told him I was unhappy. And his boss and my boss were friends. And he didn't realize that overselling my unhappiness was going to be detrimental for my career. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then that happened just after I left that job. But I still am friends with my old boss. Uh, so I was having lunch with him one day, and he was like, um, David, you should be careful with what you say and like, what you mean. So this guy has told me that this guy has, you told him that. <laughs> so complicated. And it's like, I didn't say that. Uh, so the moral of this story is not to gossip. Oh, be careful who you gossip with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gossip, feel free, uh, I don't know, and yeah. I didn't say horrible things about my boss, but. Uh, Just that you were unhappy. He, he made it sound a bit more spicy. And obviously you were all spicy. incredibly happy now at us two games. Couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. Good, good. No, I mean it, it's it's funny. Like we we like we talk and we argue a ton, but it's very different in as much as it's very okay to talk and argue. And so it's. Uh, I mean, I've never worked anywhere that you can be quite as open with each other as mm. as where we are now, which is both a blessing and a curse, <laughs> to say the least. But it's 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 certainly completely remarkable in in anywhere that I've ever worked before that you can really. You know, just say say what you think, and it will. Yeah. You know, people will care and want to kind of want to listen. So. And I think we're, we're like by default unhappy about everything. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's the big thing. I wouldn't have any other job, but <laughs> I'm constantly unhappy about everything. Is that is that specifically an artist thing? Do you? No. Like I, well, I get paid to be like that. It's <laughs> literally my job to just be unsatisfied with everything we do okay. until I'm reasonably satisfied, and then we win two matches. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else is important to being an artist apart from being constantly unhappy? Uh, so this is funny. We, I mean, so uh, our kind of lead designer Ken, um, who is now no longer in kind of, he went back to Australia, but he was a lead designer on Monet Valley. Um, we talked about this a lot about kind of what is important to be as being an artist, and there's all this kind of stuff around being you know, doing your 10,000 hours and all this, this kind of stuff. And it's interesting, what we ended up talking about a lot was how I think uh, in kind of, or at least the, the way we think about things is that, you know, you put your 10,000 hours into being like well-rounded and critical and aware of different things that are going on rather than being an expert in like pixel art or low poly or whatever technique that you're using. You kind of put 10,000 hours into taste and then you can kind of work out what it is that is best for the project you're doing, especially when you're a team of 10 people. It's about putting your time into just kind of having kind of a good sense of what, it's, uh, what is right for that project. Because yeah. we're counting, you know, everything we make is, is completely different or every choice that we make or every kind of week is completely different because the, the game and the company is in a different place. So it's mm -hmm. all about kind of training your critical brain rather than training your, like, your skill or your piece of software or all that kind of stuff. That's my kind of main thing that I've been musing on recently, and we talked yeah. about. And I think like we're hiring now, so it's 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 very useful for us as artists to like analyze what we look out for in other artists, mm. and kind of the only thing we look for is good taste. 
Mm. Like, if they have good taste, but yeah, the 3D is not very well, well they can learn. Mm. But yeah. taste is a bit harder to acquire. So how, how does one acquire taste? By looking at lots of things. And <laughs> oh God, yeah. Surrounded yourself by people better than you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And coming to events like this. Coming to events like this. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's what I was saying earlier on. Is I think partly it's just about making sure that whenever you're interested in something, you go toward it and you kind of embrace it because you just end up by, you end up with a good taste about whatever it is that you've been interested in. Um, and, you know, though I haven't worked in games for more than two years, um, I feel like there's a lot of stuff I, that was relevant to that because I was always interested in things that were tangential to that or things mm. that were, like, on their way to it. So it's... You know, it's all, yeah, it's just about being kind of excited about what you do. Or it is about, you know, the, the, kind, of, the kind of company we work at. Because <coughs> we're, uh, we're not the, the same as every company, and there are a few people around who do similar stuff, but it's kind of a, a weird little niche that we've dug ourselves. Um, and so our little niche is about kind of finding those people who kind of care deeply and, um, yeah, care deeply and, and kind of have very specific ideas about what they want to be doing. Sure. Okay, so before we talk about why us two games sure. is different from other companies, Mike, you don't have as much of a specialism as these guys. Your job is kind of broader. It's one of those ones that's hard yeah. to describe. So how do you distinguish yourself and make yourself indispensable to a company? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> is that a I mean, that's, question? <laughs> we kind of lump all the stuff I do as just under, just we have a big umbrella called production, and that's a sort of any sort of miscellaneous task that's not specifically art, design, or programming, mm. really. Um, in a bigger company, you'd probably have individual people doing all the different jobs. You'd probably have an HR person doing recruitment. You'd have a community manager. You'd have a customer support person. But because we're only 10, it, you just have to wear many hats. Um, Is that your most important skill then, being able to wear many wear hats? Many no, he's being funny. Funny, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. also like the morale and the, sort of yeah. the, okay. the energy of the team sometimes. Um, what makes you good at what you do? I'm, I'm just... I'm naturally very anal and a bit of a Nazi. <laughs> just, I just, yeah. I really hate when things aren't perfect. So just using that, it's just like, why is that pixel wrong? Fix it, please. And just, I'm really persistent and annoying mm. and bugging people. Sure. So we're going along with that, hating, yeah. I'm being also happy like, with everything. Yeah, pretty much. When okay. it comes to games, for example, I'm like a completionist. I have to do all the things. So that's really helpful when your job is to do all the things mm -hmm. and then do them all again in another way, just to check it doesn't fall down and break. So. Did all of you work at other game studios before you worked at us two games? You didn't. I didn't know. Okay. How about so? But you two did. Yeah. Okay. So what made you leave? Mm. <laughs> Good question. Um, so my first job in games, I didn't really leave. The the it was a um, a, a development team and uh, a production company. The production company was relying on a bigger company's uh, funds, and they ran off them. So they decided to shut down the, the dev studio. So we got all fired. Okay. Um, that's how I, I got rid of my first job. Uh, then, uh, but my boss there, <laughs> my boss there, who wasn't the guy who fired us, but the guy who was fired, but was like in charge of the thing, uh, decided to uh, fund his own company, and I worked with him for a couple more years, and then I got so sick of doing just 3D all day, like eight, nine, ten hours a day of 3D models, 3D textures, and 
and making the same game over and over again because sequels and like. So I decided like that I had enough. Um, so then I tried being a freelancer. Uh, I start, started making just 2D art for games and illustration. Um, totally different from what I've been doing because why not? Um, but I'm not very good at being a freelancer because chasing clients and all that is horrible. Oh, it's really I, difficult. I, I mean, some people still owe me like two grand, and that was like three years ago. Should we name and shame them? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're all in Turkey. Oh. <laughs> they're probably not listening to you. <laughs> so that's why you decided to leave. You just got bored of making the same thing. Yeah, and I, and I got bored of not getting paid enough, so I just stopped being a freelancer. Okay. Um, and join the company again. What about you, Mike? Well, I started out at Sega. Like, right after graduation, I was lucky enough to get a job at Sega with someone from the audience, in fact. Hello, Ray. <laughs> so uh, why was it terrible there? Uh, <laughs> well, it, uh, well, basically, um, I didn't really do my research. I didn't realise Sega's actually just a publisher and they're not a development studio. So you had basically no interaction with anyone who wasn't part of the publishing side. So it was just QA people and localization people, and that was it. There was no room for you to sort of grow into a designer. You could maybe do a producery kind of role from there, but I ultimately it just, I kind of hit the ceiling of where I could go there. And also it was a zero hour contract, which means when there's no products in, you don't really have a job, and you sort of wait by the phone for them to call you up. And it's just wanted something a bit more regular. So sure, I interviewed sense. for a place in Guildford called Lionhead Studios, <laughs> and they, they had a job like it. Um, they had a had a game coming up called Milo and Kate, which I would have worked on, but oh, I think wow. they realised Dan, Dan was going to work on it as well. Mm. It worked out that they couldn't make it because basically the, the scope of the game, in true Peter Molyneux fashion, was just way too great for anything sure. they could achieve. So I didn't get the job there. I was still at Sega. They called me back a bit later and said, "Hey, we've got a six-week contract. If you're interested." It's better than zero and I was hours. like, "Yeah, I'm interested. I'll do that." So I just left Sega, went there. Just started leveling up so much quicker, being in the process, program, in the presence even mm. of all these uh, other disciplines. So that was like, I was like, okay, I'm never working at a publisher again. It, it, they just won't give me what I need. They mm. can't possibly give me what I need. So after that, I found a job at a place called IdeaWorks Game Studio, which is now known as Marmalade Game Studio, mm. and they're a mobile first studio. And that was roughly about the time I think Angry Birds came out. Mm. And I, I remember reading this article by like the lead designer of God of War. And he was saying how great Angry Birds was. And I was like, what? Like, I, was like, I, love, I love God of War. And I was like, if you think Angry Birds is good, then maybe mobile is, is a thing. And maybe I should try and get into that. So I moved to there. And then luckily, someone who I knew at Sega got in touch with me about a new crazy, wacky company that wants to try and make games. And he wanted like, someone who specifically does games testing on mobile, which is exactly what I was doing. And it turned out to be us two. Awesome. Nice. So what makes us two so crazy and wacky then? For the benefit of those who haven't seen it firsthand. The owners. The owners. Well, and the history of it as well. So it's so us two as a kind of a whole is a product is was it? Product, digital product Digital Product Studio. studio. So kind of a, a But it used of, to be UI UX studio. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they kind Involves. of they development of apps and things like that um, and design and they're incredibly good at what they do mm. but they kind of it's a studio of maybe 150 people now um, something like that more kind of they're in diff different offices in different places in the world but they they were having this problem that they'd be making apps for clients and uh, and they couldn't really talk about them because a lot of the time the client would would want to sell it as their app 
And so it was kind of, they needed something forward facing. So they started kind of when, when mobile was new, doing things like mouth off and things like that. You know, when you hold a phone in front of your mouth and it's got the mouth thing that moves in time. All that kind of stuff, doing, doing those kind of things, just things that they could talk about rather yeah. than the kind of the other stuff. And that over the years morphed into kind of uh, more gamey type stuff. And then with Monument Valley or pre-Monument Valley, they made their first couple of kind of real game hires as part of that team. And that's how Monument Valley happened. And then since then, we've turned into our own kind of separate company and separate team. Mm. Um, but it's kind of that history of being kind of very design focused and very kind of very embedded in a studio and a culture which isn't about games. Sure. Um, and it's not to say that the games are bad because we, we hire people from games right now, but it's, it's to do with just that kind of appreciation for the other kind of games. Right, which kind of reflects what you guys were saying about your background and learning about things that are outside yeah. of games and having that interest in things that are outside exactly, of games. Exactly. Um, um, but you, so us two games kind of started as a way for us two to be able to show off. How does that, how does that feel, being part of that kind of subculture that's making things that the company wants to show off? You guys have been here longer than me, yeah. so oh, you you've probably know the longest. It's pretty, it's pretty good. You feel kind of like the rock stars of the thing. <laughs> yeah. You get to go out and we're like on the BAFTAs, we're like on the red carpet. Like, well, that's yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I joined, like, we were working on Modern Advice, like, and, and design people are used to uh, like project cycles of like two months, mm. and that's a long one. Four months, they're crazy. Uh, so it's like, when, when is it going to be done? It's like, well, uh, it will year. be at least a year. Like, what? A year for what? What do you need a year for? Um, and and comments like, oh, yeah, like, enjoy what you can, <laughs> because like, this is going to be over. Uh, like, mm. But then Marine Valley did well, so it, it wasn't over. But there was always this like, kind of skepticism about what we were doing. Uh, but it was fun. And fine, because we were like, no one was worried about making a loss. Sure. Um, yeah, well, that was, that was the thing. We're kind of very lucky to have founders of the company who are full on, um, but they kind of, they believe in doing things which, well, they believe in spending money on things which kind of uh, is, is uh, so good for the studio. Cool. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And it's, and it's super rare to have someone who'd be like, we'll fund you for a year to make a game like Monument Valley. And uh, at the time, we you know, hadn't really had massive successes. So um, it was kind of, it was based on the fact that it was a kind of a, a goodwill thing and it'll be good for the studio and that's, that's why we're doing this. So it was kind of this really bizarre incubator that you, you know, that was, was around and stuff. And, and now that's slightly changed now that we've had a success. Um, and now we want to kind of, you know, we want to capitalize on that and do, do more things, but it's having that as your foundation is kind mm -hmm. of crazy lucky and also kind of quite different, I think. Yeah, so you were kind of nurtured in a way. <coughs> yes. Can you see that happening anywhere else or do you still think it's quite rare? I, mean, I, 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 I haven't seen it, yeah. anything. We were given like a golden ticket and we just made the most of it. But you Basically. wouldn't see it in anywhere yeah. else because no one would have seen it where, when it was happening with, with kind yeah. of the studio. So we talk um, about it now, but. Yeah, but there, but there are tons of, you know, I get the impression there are tons of kind of like ad agencies or people who've got a weird digital team in the corner that no one quite knows what they're doing, but all of the things you learn in games or all the things you do in games will be kind of applicable to that stuff. And it's kind of, you know, it was down to the people who got hired on the team and the people who were on that, that kind of team, the original content yeah. team, to kind of go, all right, well, let's, this is an opportunity to shape something. Um, and that's kind of, in my opinion, that's why small teams are great and why kind of where you can when you can find somewhere where you embed yourself in a corner where someone doesn't really know what you're doing, 
it's like an amazing opportunity because then you get to kind of like define what your you are, what your company is, what your product is, or something mm. like that. So, do you think that it would have been possible without the kind of overarching company? Like, if there's someone here who's thinking, I want to start my own studio and I want to make a game like Monument Valley, but they don't have that support. Well, they they can make a game that plays and looks like Monument Valley because Monument Valley is already there. <laughs> uh, we were able to make something of the impact of Monument Valley because we were in a company that, that didn't make games and uh, so we kind of like, we wanted to look good to people that weren't necessarily thinking about games. Okay. Um, so it's, like a, it, it's quite unique in the way that, that you have to think when you're making the game because like you're not trying to impress games people, you're trying to impress people that are very good at user experience, very good at graphic design, have an amazing taste, and they don't give shit about games. Uh, sorry, can I say games? Uh, um, sure. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Do you think that um, it's a good idea then to try and aim your game at a, a non-gamer audience, at people who don't give a shit about games? I think it's a good idea to aim your game to an audience that you understand. And if you understand people who don't play games, then make the, that game for that people. But if, you, if your friends all play crazy, hardcore, click on the head games, <laughs> it's probably a good idea to make that kind First of game. First person shooters. Click on the head game. <laughs> cool. I like that. I'm going to use that in the next article. <laughs> it's the only thing you do, right? <laughs> Okay, so the, the, the title of this talk is Turning Points. So I want to ask if there's any particular point in your career that you see as really, really pivotal for you. That like the moment where it all changed. Uh, whether you made like a decision to, to just leave a company behind and start a new thing, or whether you were like, no, games, this is what I'm going to do. Whether it's a skill you taught yourself, or... All of the above. All of the above. Because <laughs> I have specifics. <laughs> I mean, for me, it would definitely be leaving Sega. Mm. Um, but before that, I guess it was kind of... Even at the time in which I was filling out my UCAS application to decide which uni I was going to go to. Oh, at, at the time, I had applied for like maybe five courses. I think you get to choose six. I picked like three regular standard computer science ones just to sort of cover my back, just in case the games thing didn't work out. I could fall back on my just regular, safe computer science degree and also did a software engineering one. Mm -hmm. I was just looking for that sixth option to choose. And I just saw this games design one. And I was just like, I'm just going to do that. And I just picked that, made it my first choice. I was like. I'm just, all my chips are in, I'm just, I'm going to do games now. And I was just like, oh my god. That was like the first time I sort of made that commitment to just make it in this industry in some way. Okay. Sent it off, did it, it was a bad course, but... <laughs> you live alone, you know? Do you think that if you hadn't got in, that would have been it? Your dream would have died? Maybe. I think I might have just, I might just be writing like regular software or something now, like Word or Excel or something. Really boring like that, but making maybe more money. Well, yeah. I don't know. Making lots of money. It's the craziest. I, I knew I'd never wanted to work in a, an office, like a regular standard office. That's all I kind of knew. Like I, I did work experience with my mum's. Um, and obviously you wouldn't work in Microsoft but Office. I, but maybe more <laughs> something like Google. Maybe not making games, but like a googly, a googly type company. Working on like Google Maps. That's true. Something. If it's you wouldn't want to work at Google. When, but when you enter Astu for the first time, it feels like 
Google in the films, like the yeah. idea of Google, yeah. um, like this crazy place when everything is possible yeah. and all that. And their foosball tables. I got oh, there and yeah. was like, we didn't have oh, this place, Ugh, so <laughs> East London. Um, it was serious. And, and I'm saying that looking like that East London guy as well. Yeah. I'm an immigrant, um, so I've done. <laughs> but I, I got there and, and actually they, you know, they, they practice what they preach. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not yes, a normal right. office. It looks yeah, like those studio. offices from Nathan yeah. Barley. When um, you joined, we didn't have all the cool stuff. We used to have a Wendy house and a little mobility scooter, which we'd ride around. And mannequins who were just like in these weird exactly. poses. And stuff. I, I don't think I'd have made it through the door yeah. if I saw that. <laughs> so good, yeah. But that was what made me want to join. What's, I mean, apart from making people like you want to join, what's the benefit of having things like that in your development studio? Having a Wendy house? and a mobility scooter. Well, the Wendy House served a, an actual purpose. We kept our PlayStation in there. And that was where we <laughs> go when you like a little brass sleep in there And yeah, we well. have a, a, a small Korean lady who used to sleep in there. At Did she work at this? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. a designer. Oh, right. It's not, yeah. not like a, yeah, we had not a slave or anything. Was that during crunch? Yeah, yeah, you could do it during crunch. I don't know, I think having those things is just, it's just a bit cool. It's, just, it's a bit different. It just sort of, you're like, wait. I think it's more about the option of having those things. Like, it, yeah. it, it's a statement of, like, this is your space. Yeah, do um, what you want with it. And yeah, yeah. I think it encourages you to be more honest. Because it's, it's all no the... lies th- in the Wendy house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all the things that people put on the walls. Because, like, the, the walls are covered in photoshops of everyone in, in the company. <laughs> 200 people. Oh, present and past members of the company. Um, so I think that puts you in a mindset of, yeah, it's like it's all right to make fun of each other in a healthy way. It's, it's all right to say the things that you wouldn't say in another workplace. Mm. Um, and I think it's, that's healthy, weirdly. It is, but it's, and it's, it's difficult to really sell that. And like, yeah. it takes a while to really believe it because I think there's a lot of places. I mean, yeah, we've all seen Nathan Barley, we've all seen kind of like films about Google and stuff, and we just and go. Mm-hmm. But actually, really when people like, like, <laughs> act on it, then it's really different. Um, yeah. And it's really great. Yeah, if you have to pick between Cubicle and Wendy House, you probably pick Wendy House every time. <laughs> oh, maybe some people won't. I don't know why. You know I'm what? I would like a Cubicle because I get some wall space. Oh, and, and Wendy more House means. has walls as well. Yeah, it's true. So, do you um, put up inspiration on your walls then? Mainly distraction. Distraction. Um, <laughs> Is that beneficial yes. for your job? I th- well, it, it, maybe it makes. I mean, I don't know if it like. Beneficial for your kind of like sanity, which in the long term is beneficial for your job. Because we don't we don't really do much crunch, um, but we end up staying late because we like being there, or we end up hanging out there sometimes coming in weekends because it's a nice place to be or something. So that's it's more like it's a kind of a goodwill thing. It makes you, yeah, just makes you like not fall out of love with your job as much. There are a lot of developers who do crunch. Describe it like that. Yeah. How can you how can you prove that it's different at us two games? I can't. <laughs> no, crunch is crunch. Uh, I think we do better crunch well than all the places that I've been, but my dream would be a world without crunch. Do you think yeah. that's possible? So, yes, I think it, a it world is. Without so crunch. I won't defend crunch <laughs> in any form. Guess, guess. I, you think? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I've, it's weird, you know. There's, 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 it's kind of, you'd, we don't, we've never done months at a time. Um, like you hear some places, sometimes there'll be a couple of weeks where everyone knows that things need to get done, so you, you come in. Yeah. And so it's kind of, you know, maybe it'd be better if someone said, you have to come in and that's your job. But as it is, it's kind of, you know, everyone wants to get it done, so you come in. 
yeah. and so it's kind of you know it's it's, it's opt better in than most crunch. Opt, opt in, in crunch. crunch yeah yeah I don't exactly. know, we've got we've got really high standards so i feel like even if say oh we have to release a game by christmas and we actually finish that in october we would still be like we can add way more stuff yeah, yeah. Well, that happened and we keep doing it to the point where we've actually tried to say add a bit too much and then we probably have to crunch to, to take it out again to, or either take <laughs> it out or get that up to the level we'd be having it okay yeah. so how about turning points for you guys so I, I was trying to think which one will be like the biggest one. I guess the, when I decided that games would be a career, it's a big, obviously a big one, but I think it happened in a funny way. I was playing um, the game Fahrenheit by Quantic Dream. Fahrenheit. Yeah, and I liked the game. I was like, oh, let's see what these people are up to now. And they hadn't announced yet Heavy Rain, um, but they had this jobs section in the website. It's like, oh, a jobs section. I wonder what a job in games looks like. And they weren't looking for anyone. But they had this, like, game director. If, if you're something that can fit in this description, we want to hear from you. And there was, like, 10 years of experience managing teams of 100,000 people and all that. Um, and it's like... But then I look at it, and it's like, wait a minute, this is a, this is a wish list. It, like, if I check all those things, I can be a game director in 10 years. Uh, so I became kind of, I don't know, that was my quest, um, like a 10-year plan, which is, I think it's a bit rare, but kept me, kept me going. Okay. It's work all right. That's an interesting way to, to look at it. And I think a lot of people have a plan that, that goes on for that long. Yeah, I just, uh, then I said, oh, maybe I should study something related to games so I can make games. Mm. So, yeah. And that was like eight years ago, so. So you've done it. Congratulations. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. John, how about you? I've got a very zigzaggy career. Um, so lots of turning lots points. Of it's, it's Is that where the inspiration for Monument Valley came from? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I... <laughs> I'm going to try and narrow it down to three. So the first one uh, was uh, when, I was, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I, I, just, I was, grew up in Cornwall. I just assumed that I would do normal stuff that didn't amount to anything. And there was a so moment... people in Cornwall do. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Or you leave, um, which is... No, that's unfair, but it, like, that's, that's the way I perceive things as, as a kid. Sure. And, uh, and like, I, had, I did one course, it was a media course, and it was like, everyone was like, oh, you're doing the dropout course, awesome. Um, <laughs> and and I, did, I didn't listen to it. And, and it was the first time that I did something that I was really into, and I made the connection that if I tried really, really hard, it actually turned into me being quite good at what it is I was doing. And I ended up being, like, doing really great on that course. So that was the first thing. It was the moment where I realized that I could not just be, like, kid number 100 and something doing the same old thing. Um, so that was, that was cool. Um, the second thing, which is after doing many, many different things, was joining us two. But the way I joined us two, or the reason I joined us two, was I'd been a freelancer all the way up until that point. I was very happy doing freelancing. It kind of paid relatively well. I'd done kind of stuff that would kind of take me to different bits of the world and all this kind of stuff, and it was great, but it just wasn't exciting. Uh, or it wasn't like, I don't know, it just wasn't ticking all the boxes of the things I felt like I wanted to do, but I didn't know what else I did want to do. And then I took my first ever full-time contract at us two, which was a moment where I kind of, it was the first time I ever committed to a job in the same way, because freelancing lets you try out everything. And it was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to make this work for me. Um, and 
it, it really surprised me because in that moment I committed and everything became about a thousand times more difficult because you care and this is, I'm now in the company which I'm invested in, involved with and uh, my, my success is based on like, how well the company does and stuff. Mm. And that was a really weird feeling because usually as a freelancer you can run away from things and when things go badly you just go, oh, I don't like these co this company anymore. And, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's it's you know it's nerve-wracking, but once you get used to it, it's actually really freeing because you just you're not stuck to anything. So, so yeah, and then that and then there was I made my own mobile game whilst I was at us two because I arrived with no experience of games. Trickshot. Yes. I've played it. Oh, it's good. cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, because I'd never made games before, never worked in games, and I arrived and I signed a contract to kind of be an employee. But I'd also kind of taken a massive step backwards because I was te leading teams and stuff in my previous job. In the new one, I was just a kind of uh, a 3D guy, which was great, but it was what I had been doing five years ago. Mm. And so I needed to find a way of leveling up, so I decided to make a game in the evenings. It was purely as leverage so that if I'd gone through the process of making a game, then I could argue my point with some sort of you know, validity. Mm. And that was another one of those moments where I kind of... I sat on the tube and I set myself a goal of making the minimum viable game um, so I could get it all, all done as quickly as possible, make something that was, that was simple, I was proud of, and part of making that was releasing it, marketing it, doing all those kind of things. Um, and that moment of making the decision to make my own game and finish it, rather than just making it and going, oh, I've, it's done now, making it and finishing it was like massive turning point because it kind of, it was another moment of taking control of whatever it was I was doing at the time. And ultimately, it meant that kind of I managed to kind of fast track and end up doing bigger things at us two than I was at the beginning. So, okay. yeah, a few turning points, and there's many in between. But I, I think that's more about my personality than anything else. So, I think you all technically took demotions to join us two games. Why? What's more important than like your status or your even your pay packet? Two BAFTAs. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you didn't know you just knew they were coming. <laughs> well, but actually, having a BAFTA. So, being Spanish for me, and looking at other games, the real games made outside Spain, um, <laughs> and this thing of the BAFTAs was like, I don't know, like a lifetime goal kind of thing. Um, and this is a place in which a small team can make a after winning game, so um, I know what the question was, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you've sold, sold making games in the UK as opposed yeah, to in Spain, yeah. which I guess is probably helpful. Uh, sure, I'm um, sure at some point some Spanish game will win a BAFTA, uh, but it'll take some time. Um, yeah, I think. Um, just seeing the way that how different to anything else the company was uh, and kind of like realizing that they they kind of you know when someone gets it mm. well they did um, so I was like I, I was a lead artist quite early on in my career and then when I was freelancing I was like a bit unhappy was like I, I didn't have control over things so it was like I was when I joined Astro, I was applying for uh, creative director, art director kind of roles. And I was quite close to getting some. Uh, and these were like, yeah, like everything else except for that is awesome. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a silly thing. Like, it's not even a compromise. Like, it's just the title. Because eventually, if you're good, you're going to, like, 
grow in the team anyway. Okay. So the company can be more important than the title oh, because definitely. you have the opportunity to yeah. grow. Okay. When, um, maybe for people in the audience, when is a good time? When do you know that taking a demotion is a good idea? How do you know when that? you're unhappy with your current job. <laughs> I, I would say it's, it's a lot about the, the company and for me a lot about the size of the company. So my favorite places to work places where there's 10 people because when you have 10 people or like fewer or kind of five people either side of that you just do whatever needs doing mm. and so you can get like I knew full well that going in and being hired as like a, a 3D artist there's going to be more stuff that needs doing and there'll be opportunities to just do the things that someone else needs doing because it's, it's there and so it was kind of it's in a way, quite calculated because you know if you're if you're in a big machine, it's very it's harder to to climb. Whereas if you go somewhere small, where there's all the opportunities, you can elbow your way into doing pretty much anything because you're just constantly scrabbling for someone who will help you. Mm. You know, and and we're having that now. We're looking for people, and I know that if we hired someone, they're the right person. They could be doing exactly what we're doing now in a couple of months, just because there's just so much to do. Um, and so it's for me about the kind of the makeup of the company and the kind of the personalities of, of who's there because yeah we kind of you know every every two weeks you know someone says oh what do you do and I say something different just because that's what I'm doing that week and it's it's the company lets you be whatever you mm. kind of want to be okay yeah. Mike you must find yeah. that because you've done all these different things yeah in the company. it's good I mean for me I chose to take the emotion because I was basically at about that level when I quit my previous job, I was about to become a producer, basically. Um, I had a team of like QA people working underneath me, and they did all the stuff that made them do. It was good. <laughs> and um, when I got the job at us, it was basically I would just be that the one tester on the team. I would just press all the buttons and read all the text and do all the things. Um, but when I went into the physical office space and I saw all the memes and the photoshops on the wall, Back at my company, I was at, at the time, I was the only one who had any memes and photoshops like, <laughs> in my little desk area. So for me, it was like, I'm, I'm home. It's yeah. basically exactly what I want. And also just, I kind of, I realized I, would just, I could just be a producer then. But at this other place, it's always unknown. Like, mm. maybe I could be more than a producer. I could do even more stuff. And it was like, it was quite enticing. Yeah. Just sort of the, the vast unknown was like, I was happy to just dive into this bottomless pit and see. What I think in, in retrospect, working somewhere like us two makes, for me anyway, makes me value kind of things like quality of life a lot more. Because when I think I was starting out, I would have just done anything. Um, whereas here it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's harder to do, you know, a massive, humongous game. Um, but you also get to kind of, the, your quality of life is better just because it's a kind of, the company has different values mm -hmm. and stuff. And we, we probably put a glass, glass ceiling on ourselves. You know, Monument Valley did very well, but I think that's about as well as you could do with a premium mobile game. And we could go Candy Crush, which, you know, one day we might do, but right now we're, cho we're choosing not to because we have certain things that we find important and stuff. And that's, that's a, a definite choice about we want to do things a certain way. And mm -hmm. that's... Um, I think that's, that's really important, especially after having worked in the industry for, or in, in an industry for however many years. Like the first few years, it's just anything is exciting, it's really cool. And then after a while, you start valuing different things like a company that you can get invested in and people who care and all that kind of stuff. So, what makes a good kind of company environment or development environment? It doesn't just have to be us two. Like, what are some of the, the great things that you've seen at studios that you've worked at? I mean, it's just people. It's the like, people, they can, right? be, can be any, anywhere, anything, as long as they're people that you get on with. Because, you know, ultimately, you spend 
most of your work, like waking life with these people. Um, and if you get on well with them, then that's as best as you can hope for. And if you're getting paid badly, then that's still great because you're hanging out with people that you like. As long as you're paying the bills, it's just about people, I think. People. Um, you know. Mine's more like a, a, I don't know. You want Wendy houses. And oh, Wendy houses. Wendy houses. Memes. There's memes. It's funny thing. But basically, when I think of what it would be like working in the games industry, that's the sort of thing I'm thinking of. It's a bit wacky, a bit crazy. Like a toy library or something. Yeah, it's weird when I think of like really weird corporate kind of game studios. I'm like, you make fun things here, but you don't work in a fun environment. How can you possibly make anything fun? Um, I think like, what I was really good at too is like they had this weird transparency thing where they would mm. like they share information with everyone. Nothing's a secret really. Mm. We'd be in these meetings every Monday morning. Would be a Monday morning meeting. They'd lay out all the tables with food. We'd all sit down, have breakfast together. Each person would come up and basically update you on like financials, like how much money you've made, how much money you've lost. And at the beginning, I was like, Am I meant to be? He was very close to the startup. Yeah, it was really weird. But I was like, it's just a sort of weird hippie cult that I've joined. Why, why are they telling <laughs> everyone all the secrets? We don't all need to know this. But part of that was like, really, it was like these. I love these people that they think I, I can be trusted with this information. We love you too, man. <laughs> it just felt good. It felt like we're yeah. all in that together. We're all like, like a family, company, as they like to call it. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, to drop yeah that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Us, us oh. two fanpany. Yeah. We're, we're, mm. we're <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I know, I know. Uh, it sounds horrible. <laughs> like, kind of, it's true. That's, so, that's the thing. Like, it's one of those things that it sounds terrible until you're like so the, embedded in it. Like when I actually... when I joined, there was this. Well, it's still going on. Uh, the Ask to Holiday happens every year, and the company brings because now there's four studios across the world: there's Sydney, Malmo. New York and us in London. Uh, so one way of bringing all the people together, making sure everyone knows everyone and, and we're all friends and all that, the company like, just flies everyone to some place and just have a massive party for four days. Um, and it's pretend to be, pretending to be uh, like a company thing, so they do some company updates and stuff. And my first one was like a month and less than a month and a half after I joined the company and we went to Croatia and the and the finance lead like did the finance report in a mankini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's about sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's what makes a good studio. Yeah, Mankini. Yeah, yeah. Mankini. Mankini. But, Mankini. Honesty. I think honesty yes, for me honesty. is like the fact that you can say anything to anyone and they won't fire you the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is actually very true. I think one of the first things I ever heard David say when he came in, he was looking at Ken's art and he was like, why is it so ugly? <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere else, you'd immediately get fired. Well, but it was I, great. I think it, was, it wasn't exactly that, but <laughs> the, the day of, the day after of, what your teacher told you about not, yeah. not telling people. The, the, no, but <laughs> what I learned is say things to people's faces. Yeah. Um, so when I, the day of my job interview, I was living in France at the time, uh, and and I came here to London for like a whole day, kind of interview, getting to know the team and all that. And they were showing to some, someone else in the company what was going to become Monument Valley, one of the first prototypes. 
and they asked me what I thought. Like, <laughs> like I, I can see where this is going, but I think it's a bit cold. Uh, because I, I, at that moment, like, what, like, should I say something, like, should I give some, ne- not negative feedback, like something to, like, improve on, mm. uh, kind of thing. Because I don't want to work in the company where you are supposed to do whatever you're told. Sure. Um, so it kind of like a test for me. So it was like job interviews are a job interview for you as much as it is for them. So you're interviewing them in that sense. Like I wanted to test if like some say, saying something like <coughs> controversial in a way it was a good thing to do, and it was. It reminds me of that thing with Antoine. Um, mm. So we met uh, Antoine, who's one of the kind of, I don't remember what his title is. He's the uh, lead programmer in Square Enix Montreal. They did Hitman Go and Lack of Go, and he was one of the two guys who basically made that happen. Yeah. And so we we met him at GDC, and he he turned out to be a really great friend. But after a kind of a a couple of evenings of hanging out and having food together, uh, was it with you in the the queue? Oh, yeah, we were in, in the queue for the loo, and he was like, so you guys, like, it's alone? Yeah, like, he had what to check that we liked each other because, like, because yeah, we were yeah, just yeah. kind of constantly arguing and pushing each other and kind of stuff like, like that. No, 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 we like I mean, in a way, we're like siblings. We argue yeah. a lot, <laughs> but we like each other. Because yeah. you're in a family. Because we're in you're a family. family. <laughs> <laughs> should have said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, so for people who might be interested in joining a studio like us two, who think this mankini, family, Wendy House thing... I didn't go to the studio, by the way. I was way too terrified. <laughs> what, what would someone have to do? Like, I mean, you're hiring at the moment. What are you looking for in candidates? What would people have to do to impress us two games? Well, there's, there's, there's a couple of things, I think, for, for me. It's, it's, you're kind of trying to, trying to evaluate, and it's really difficult to do, and I'm sure people slip through the net just because it's difficult to tell, but you're trying to evaluate whether, like, how people think. And so, you know, you know we do, usually do a couple of Skype interviews and then bring them into the studio and just talk for a long while, go, go to the whiteboard, talk about kind of ideas, to, to, you know. It's like that maths thing. It's all about what you're working out. Talk about what they do and why they've done it and things like that. And then along the way, it's just kind of like as much as kind of we're working out like how good they are with thinking. It's just about how nice they are to talk to. Yeah. Because we've we've met a whole bunch of people who are either fantastic or really nice. But you need to be fantastic and nice. Um, and especially when you're a small studio like mm. this, it's kind of you know the wrong person can really throw off the balance of the team. Um, and you know we've had trouble with that and stuff. So yeah. that's kind of the, the only two prerequisites. And like, you know, we we put up a bunch of roles on the website, but they're kind of they're placeholders for, you know, cool whatever people. for for people. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, put up a role for a programmer because we need people who can program, but they might be people who program and do art. Mm. You know, that's I do fifty fifty myself. But you can't really put up a job title for all of those things. So. It's it's about finding kind of the people who kind of fit the fit the culture, um, or you know are gonna kind of in, add to it in yeah. a more concrete way. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's wrong with that? If you're an artist, don't send portfolios with lots of weapons, mm. naked women, <laughs> or orcs, and Skeletons. please learn anatomy if you're going to show any. <laughs> it's fine not to show anatomy, but if you show something, it better be good. 
And that's, the, that's number one portfolio advice. Okay. Don't show shit. <coughs> just yeah, show the things that you... Like, you, just show the things that you'd be happy working uh, on. Because that's the, the thing... But also, I, I would argue that there's a difference between, you know... It, people who do, who do orcs and naked ladies right which is quite difficult to do right, I would Well, argue. the thing is... But if you can do it right, then there's, there's, there must be a way out there of doing it, and if there is, then that's great, but that's a portfolio I've, I've yet to see. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like, it seems so. that people who enjoy modelling <laughs> orcs and naked women in spiky, oh, no, leathery costumes yeah. don't make up good artists. I mean, is this about... <laughs> 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 to, to kind of move away We're from this yeah, slide... Sorry. Is this about targeting the company specifically, though? So, because us two games, I mean, Monument Valley doesn't have any naked women or orcs in it. So, to make art that. I mean, there is a part of that, but it's a part. If you put in a naked woman in a leathery, spiky costume, yeah. yep. you're showing that you're probably not good in an environment with women in it. And we don't want. Yeah. a team of people who can't work with women because we have women in the team. <laughs> <laughs> and women, believe it or not, are people. Maybe you know. <laughs> so I think it's really important to like, not be offensive in, your, in the way you present your work. I think it comes down to the fact that like, what you're, you're doing by sending portfolios is communicating something. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to understand the context of what you're communicating. Um, and you know, especially with an art role, what you're communicating is your taste, your kind of your desires, yeah. your whatever. And mm. be careful because, right. you know, it's you're you're revealing yourself by doing this. And it's you, you might have you might have all the context and subtlety in the world um, in your head when you put these things in there. But we don't see any of that. We just see the same things mm. or whatever. It's you know just it's. It's a, you know, making games is communicating, writing is communicating, all communicating, you just have to be aware of that. Okay. Yeah. When we get an application in, we're not necessarily looking at your experience like, oh, I can use 10 different programs is more, as David said, it's more a, a taste sort of thing. Because okay. we, we trust that you could learn more skills mm. when we have the sort of environment which would help you gain the skills you need in like 2D or 3D. Yeah. I've so learned like, all the softwares I've used professionally had you when joining. Um, when you joined us. No, for a job. Wasn't, his animation was really bad when he started. <laughs> but now he's like the guy who does all the animations in all our games. Yeah, awesome. yeah I did all the animation in Modern Valley without having done that professionally. <laughs> um, I think we should probably open up to yes. questions from the audience because there are, yep, there's already hands going up. We have roving microphones. We've got 15 minutes, so we should have plenty of time. How oh, is that? Really? Yeah, I know. We've done well. Been well done, guys. <laughs> right, first up. Hey, um, so. Hello? Do you want to uh, yeah. introduce yourself? And oh. also, just a general note to everyone, questions, not statements. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of these. Okay, um, okay. okay so my name is Joshua Mallet. I was a, a level designer on um, Fable Legends at Lion oh. Studios. Oh. Congratulations. Yeah. And also, consideration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're hiring um, for level designers. They are hiring level designers. Hi. <laughs> um, so I actually looked at, in, through Indeed, um, and you're like your job application was there for like thirty plus days. So I wasn't sure if like I just got rejected. Well, anyway, anyway, moving on. Um, what do you guys look for in level designers specifically? So we this is the first time we've ever tried to hire a game designer or level designer. Uh, we kind of did everything as a programmer. We have programmers with good taste in level design, artists with good taste in level design, 
Um, but as we grow, uh, we realized that we needed someone who was like just taking care of that because there's too many things going on. Um, but we didn't have a clue of how to hire a games designer. Yeah. So more than anything, we're looking at someone people. who already knows how to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, um, people who have an interest in games similar to our interest, like they can show like a personal portfolio of games, like tiny games that they do in their spare time, or, mm -hmm. or like people who, who, with a proven record of like yeah. a, a game design career, but more than anything, like that's the like kind of the prerequisite. Mm. Then you talk to them and then we came up with this level design test that turned out to be quite useful for that, like to tell how people yeah. communicate ideas. That's the most important thing in level yeah. design and game design, how you explain your ideas. Um, and with the level design test, that went well. The, like you could see who's horrible at communicating something and who was the idea better or not is m m less relevant than how well they communicated that idea. Um, so a strong communication skills will be the yeah. top one. And yeah, I think like you brushed on, like anyone who's gonna like manage to make anything of their own, even if it's like a little 10 seconds, 15 oh, yeah, seconds itch, itchier that's a free game. Interview. Like amazing, we yeah. we love that. Really, really good because it's just people who go beyond. It's always good. Okay. Hi, Anne. Uh, just a question about portfolios in general. Um, obviously, you get people throwing orcs and everything, but would you suggest people go down more stylized or photo real kind of images, at least for your company? I would say <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult that we will hire us will hire someone who's got a like, full realistic portfolio because we don't do that and is, we don't have the capacity to make a game that looks like that. Um, that said, if it's really good, it's really good. Um, but yeah, we're looking for taste more than anything and like a taste that aligns to our taste. Um, and I think the, the best thing to do in a portfolio is put the things that you, you'll be really happy working on because that's the thing that people will see and they will hire for doing that. I, I had kind of a couple of portfolios when I was kind of touting for jobs and stuff. I would have one that I'd give to one company, one that I'd give to the other one. You know. And um, I think one thing that certainly with our company is being sensitive to the fact that we're a small team who's never going to make massive... Or never. We not anytime soon. Not this year. Gonna make make games that are kind of you know triple A size or anything like that. And so someone who is sensitive to uh, you know the scope of the kind of things you're going to do is is part of that. And part of that is to do with the kind of the style. So you know to you know something like Monument Valley is partly possible to do that kind of quality bar by its style by those kind of things. And so you know uh, it's. Yeah, 50-50 kind of understanding the context of who you're showing your work to and 50-50 mm -hmm. uh, the kind of making sure it's something that you're really into because that just doesn't matter what it is, it's, it shows. Yeah. I think you should always tailor your application for any job for the company, like do a bit of the research, see that we haven't made any sort of like click on the heads to kill them <laughs> and then know that we, we probably won't be impressed by how realistic you can make an M16 look. 
But if you could come up with some sort of cool Escherish, I don't know, party, <laughs> I don't, I'm not an artist, but <laughs> the things that they like, that sort of thing would be good. And, uh, and well presented and clean. And oh, yes. Clean. So clean, please clean. Yeah. And no with a black background. If possible, white background. It's so this is a, a bugbear of mine, actually, which is that like, we're, all, like, we're all, for a visual role especially, uh, if you can make the most incredible like, piece of artwork, but then frame it or you know, put it on a page which is just kind of thrown together, I but find that really confusing. Like gray. Yeah, because it's like, like, you know, it's when you're presenting something, you're presenting the work and you're presenting the surroundings and the context and all those kind of things. So it's kind of, if you can demonstrate that you care at every level about making your PDF yourself, the yeah. correct you know, way or the, you know, you print it out nicely, whatever it is, um, that's a real, like, it's, it's like you don't notice it when it's good, but when it's bad, you go, how is this possible that this, this, this is not yeah. the case? And it all comes back to the taste thing again. Yeah, taste. exactly, exactly. It's so at every important. Level. <laughs> every level. It's so tasty. Yeah. So um, tasty. Yeah. I mean, I'm make so your hungry. portfolio <laughs> itself art, I guess. Yeah, maybe your portfolio shouldn't just be a collection of art. The portfolio itself should also be art. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah? That, we have it with that. Good soundbite. Yeah. We'll keep that. We'll call that awesome. Um, any more questions? You have one here? Atlas has a question. Yeah, Atlas has a question. Atlas? <laughs> <laughs> I think Atlas wants to uh, say something. Hi. Hi. Uh, this can be about Monument Valley specifically or about any of your games, but <clears throat> your games are obviously very stylistic. Do you, do you plan a style and then design a game around it, or does it start with the, game mechan the main mm. game mechanic itself and then the style comes later, or are they kind of you know, synergistic? I, I What's the process we there? <laughs> we, yeah, we don't know. Um, yeah. Monument Valley itself, we know. With Monument Valley, there was an illustration before it was a gameplay mechanic. But... Uh, I wasn't, well, you were around. Well, it was just, Ken came up with just one piece of isometric art, and he was like, wouldn't it be cool if you could go from the bottom of that to the top by moving stuff? And we made a prototype of that. And then I guess, well, I mean, most of it was just blocks, just cubes of stuff. And then we sort of just started looking at just architecture, just not, not in the realm of games, but just in general, just buildings and nice stuff. Yeah. And they sort of just, we said, that would look here. Yeah. It, looks, it looks like it's everything really weird, can, like happened together. And in Lansen yeah. happened kind of the same thing. Mm. It's just virtual hiking. Yeah. So it's nice natural scenery and in VR. Yeah, so like there's not much you can do with it. Like then puzzle mechanics and all that you decide later on. But the core of Lansen is just you walking around yeah. islands. Mm. And but did that core. come from you went, we want to make a VR game, this is what we're gonna do, or were you just walking around one day and went, oh this would be nice in VR? It came from an interest in, in VR. Mm. It came from wanting to make a comfortable VR experience was the, the specific thing because at the time VR was was still very new. I mean, it still is very new, but it's even newer. And it was a, you know, wanting to realizing there's a chance to make something uh, in VR uh, when VR is still new and try and thinking, well, maybe we can try and make something which is comfortable because everything else is a bit nauseating. Mm. Um, and kind of seeing that there was a chance to do that, and kind of everything else hung off that, you know, the movement system, the interaction system, the kind of the difficulty of the gameplay and stuff all came from that. But it's, I mean, yeah, if we knew how, how we came up with ideas, we'd be doing, we'd be making them much more. Yeah, yeah we'd, we'd, we'd be really happy yeah. about that, but we, you know, that's a constant struggle is, you know, it, uh, when you're searching for ideas, you know, 
sometimes you spend a few days programming and then that's just a few days in the bin and some days you spend a few days drawing pictures and that's a few days in the bin and sometimes it just turns into something magic but it's like and it feels like that's the correct way to like I, so. I know if I don't feel like you could make games the way we do with following a formula mm. it's like the, the way it happens it happens and every, for every game is different and there's a lot of struggle and a lot of frustration. Yes. A lot, months and months of frustration. Okay. Enough of that. Uh, it's it's that horrible, and you want to kill yourself. And then eventually, BAFTAs. Yeah. yeah. That's the secret. Yes. From a slightly more production-y thing, we have like a very fluid kind of process to everything we do. We just kind of make it up as we go along, and whatever seems to work, we just continue with that. And if something doesn't seem to work, we stop it and try something new. Yeah. We, we used to say that our process is no process, but that was a lie. Our yeah. process is we keep changing the process every time. Yeah. yeah. There's a good more. Bruce Lee quote, be like water. <laughs> so we're like water, so like if we put in a cup, we become a cup. If we put in a bowl, we become a bowl. God, Mike, you're full of this. <laughs> 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 we need to be able to do this sort of stuff. All right, well, I think we're almost out of time, so this might be a good time to stop. But if anyone else has any more questions, then they can use the hashtag, which I oh. think is Guru Live. Or you can tweet up after Guru. Are you guys going to hang around for a bit yeah. after this? People can come up to you. We're really hungry. So. Yeah, I'm starving. We should go get lunch. Yeah, there you go. Okay, good idea. We'll be by the lunch. All right, awesome. Thank you, everyone, cool. for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Jonathan Topp, David Fernandez-Huerta and Michael Anderson for sharing their insight. For more Behind the Game Masterclass content, watch our game's mini masterclasses with BAFTA nominees. They're all at bafta.org forward slash guru.